man, this floor is freezing. What do you want me to do, fetch your slippers for you? Gee, would you, sir? I'd like that. Look into my eye. Welcome to The Rank with John and Zach. I'm John. I'm Zach. We've been friends since Cub Scouts, and now 30 years later, we decided to start a podcast where we'll be ranking anything and everything. You know, the natural progression of events for millennials. For the foreseeable future, we're going to be ranking action movies. After that, who knows? But we're hoping our listeners will get involved and help us decide. You're probably wondering what credentials we have to rank anything. Well, we don't have any. And if you disagree... Join the discussion at Twitter at, at the Rank Podcast, on our website at therankwithjohnandzack.com, or email us at therankwithjohnandzack at protonmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at the Rank Podcast. And remember, please rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep this thing going. Anyway, enjoy the show. I rank our credentials number one in credentials. <laughs> exactly. All of the credentials are no good. You know, I'm curious what your thoughts are because if i had to pick my favorite action star now i would probably say sylvester stallone what would you who would you say well you know i'm sure that there are modern action stars that i'm not as familiar with like i'm still very stuck in like an 80s and 90s mindset so people say action star and i'm like oh you mean like planet hollywood you know (laughs) How long is how long has it been since Planet Hollywood existed? But I'm still oh, you like action movies, so you watch Sly and Arnold and, and Bruce Willis, right? And they're they're like, No, I like the Fast and the Furious and I don't know what that is as much. Right. Vin Diesel. Vin, actually I like Vin Diesel. I I, I actually I, go ahead. Apparently he's say? a dick in real life, but I know That's what I, what I I was literally just about to say the exact same thing. I'm fine with him being in movies. I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. My favorite cover, like, lame action star is Ernie Reyes Jr. I don't know, I okay. don't know if you recognize the name. Yeah, you, of course I do. <laughs> Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Yeah, I yeah, mean, that's, that's him. He was also um, in, what, Red Sonja, I think? Yeah, he was in some pretty cool movies back then, because he was a stuntman first, I think, if I'm right. Right, and he had, like, he was crazy fast. He was like Bruce Lee, but for right. our generation. Yeah, and kind of... Not nearly as famous. Yeah, he was also in um, Surf Ninjas. If you, like oh, I do remember Surf Ninjas. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is Surf Ninjas the one that Hulk Hogan's in? No, I think you're thinking of Three Ninjas. Oh yeah, I think you're right. He's in Three well, Ninjas but, High Noon on Mega Mountain. Right, that's what it is. Yeah, Three Ninjas. Well, that because it was like the 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 threequel to yeah, yeah. Three Ninjas. The three, you know, three ninjas is not all that great. It's like okay, but I don't know how you're confusing it with Surf Ninjas, which is a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> In one of them, there's three ninjas, and the other, they're they are surfing ninjas, so they're not really all that similar at all. Yeah, I know. And there's um, only there's only there's only two surfing ninjas, so I don't know how you get mixed up here. Well, but, I'll be honest but, with you, I'm feeling like a real piece of shit now. So. You, you really, I kind of am about to terminate this call. So speaking of terminating things, right? Ooh, ooh. That leads us to uh, to James Cameron, who oh cool segue, I like yeah, that. thank you, thanks for the, yeah, I really <clears throat> worked on that hard on that one. Yeah. And going on to James Cameron, who is a famous director, man, and yeah, has a movie well, currently, yeah. right? Yeah, Avatar: The Way of Water, right? So Avatar, in that vein, the last Airbender, Way of the Water. 
right, right. <laughs> the last airbender um but um where were we so for as far as the how the episode is going to be set out we're going to start with um a summary where we just sort of go over a quick recap of the movie and what it's about and then we're going to talk about potent notables which are things that we thought were interesting or i guess trivia worthy about the movie and then we're going to get through a longer summary wherein we're going to talk about the things that we thought were interesting about the movie good bad or otherwise and then we're going to get to the uh, important part, which is the ranking, where we're going to rank everything on a scale of one to five, um, ten categories, and then we'll uh, get to get to where it sits overall in the uh, canon of the rank movies. The well, we're talking aliens, aliens so aliens. <laughs> so let's let's you know just for for the listeners uh, who haven't watched aliens or any of the alien movies um which seems crazy to think that there could be anybody out there but you know we're old so um it was released in 1986 written and directed by james cameron the same writer and director of avatar um starring sigourney weaver it was a sequel to the 1979 movie Alien, which was directed by Ridley Scott. So I, I do think it's sort of funny, though, that like we're sort of memorializing James Cameron because of the movie that just came out that neither of us have seen. <laughs> memorializing him. He's like, uh, I'm not dead. Yeah, exactly. And also, yeah, neither of us have seen Avatar Way of the Water. Well, that's because I didn't really want to go see it. So I was like, can we watch a movie I have on DVD instead or Blu-ray or whatever I have it on? Yeah. No, I get it. I, I, I do want to go see. I feel like it's probably pretty awesome to see in theaters. Just, I mean, because Avatar was too. I wouldn't say yeah. like. Go ahead. No, I missed Avatar the first time around. Um, I did not go see it. I think I'm one of the few people on Earth who, at the time, I was just like, mm, maybe I'll go see it. I didn't. Um, I was only I the highest grossing movie of all time. So. Yeah. Well, I uh, also missed the re-release just recently. And I feel like I, I feel like there's no point to watching it at home, so I just haven't seen it. Well, I bought the 3D version of it, and that was kind of fun to watch at home. But like, you you need a 3D just not the same. Yeah, I I had one. Well, so oh. you know, the place I used to work at, I won a TV, and oh. it was a 3D TV. So about like, that? Well, shit. All right, I'm gonna get some 3D movies. And then that was it's like that in like Clash of the Titans, and then you're like, oh, I guess there aren't really many more. Well, the problem is, is like, well, they made like a million 3D movies after Avatar, right? Yeah. And then, but like Avatar, like used the 3D to their advantage, mm-hmm. like really built an immersive world. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like every movie after that was like, it's 3D, so you have to pay more. <laughs> Here's a ball that comes at you. That's okay, not. Okay, watch not, the rest of the movie. That's not like Hollywood executives at all, just to be like, pay more money because we want more money. That doesn't yeah. sound good. No, I, I think actually, I think actually, you told me at the time in one of those movies, it was like the only 3D part was they threw a spear or some shit, and it was like, this is yeah, 3D. Like, yeah, why are we? Why am I watching this in 3D? I remember like every big movie that it was like every movie that came out every, every week. Every time, yeah. If it had a decent budget, was in 3D. Yeah. And a lot of them, they just added it afterward, whereas right. Avatar, I believe that they actually filmed it like 
specifically we're doing this in 3D? Well, you know, James Cameron's got this like love of cinematic technology and mm -hmm. like, like bringing into his films. Um, yeah, it's interesting with him because even if you don't care for his movies, he's a lot like like a like a like maybe even like George Lucas, except maybe even more because like every other movie he comes out with is some sort of technological you know advancement in some way, and not necessarily like a like a huge leap in, in advancement, but like you know you see movies without great vis visual effects and it looks fine and then he comes out with a movie and it's like all right so this is visual effects you know right exactly exactly and that goes and, all the way back to like remember the abyss that movie that was like brand new that right yeah uh, i mean the, it, terminator the broke and then terminator yeah and even aliens did you know yeah um but so what i think what i we should go on to the next segment here, which which we've named. If you're okay with naming it, this, and I'm curious if you uh, if you get the reference, but potent notables. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a joke from the set from the uh, from the oh. skit. I can't think of anything right now. So, so you know, that's cool. I, I'm trying to you know insult you and suck at Quebec. How about that? So, you know, I, I have a whole bunch of notable things, and I don't want to go crazy with this because I, I found a lot of I think fascinating things. One thing that I did find really fascinating though was the fact that uh that aliens in the in the canon of the alien universe is basically the highest grossing of all of the alien movies. Yeah. I mean you said Prometheus so it made, you know, what, eighty five point two million dollars um in nineteen eighty six. Prometheus made $126.5 million in 2012, but I mean, yeah. if you equate $85.2 million in, uh, to, to like now, that's $231 million. So that's like yeah. that's a pretty significant hit. You know, it's so crazy to think that $200, $231 million is like, that's a flop today for some of these movies. Yeah, seriously. Well, I mean, look at the most recent Avatar. He was like, yeah, yeah. it's going to have to be one of the top 10 grossing movies of all time to break even. Yeah. So like, these things have gone money and these things have gone crazy, but the, that's a lot of money for the time. That's a lot of money for today in general, but that's like a huge hit at the time. So, right. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it was a big deal and it, and it was like, it did so well that it was like, okay, well, I guess we'll keep making alien movies. I mean, honestly, the only reason I think we have all of these different alien movies in this big franchise is because aliens did so well and built off of the first one. Well, have you heard the story of how James Cameron pitched aliens to whoever or the relevant executives were? His, uh, go ahead. His pitch was apparently that he walked into the room, say there was a blackboard. I don't know if it was a blackboard or not, but he wrote alien on the blackboard and then wrote an S at the end of it really? and then made the S into a dollar sign. Really? And that was apparently the whole pitch. And they were like, okay, that we like money. We like it. We like aliens. Why not? So that's hilarious. So that you know, it, uh, this has become a really it was a it was a it was a big sci-fi movie when it came when Alien came out, right? But now right. it's well, it's a hot IP, you know. It's video games, 
you know, uh, comic books, everything else is, is you can find aliens everywhere. So I know it, it spawned a friend. And I really did, I mean, I think the aliens spawned the franchise more than alien did. Absolutely. If alien itself would be like a, a well-remembered, you know, kind of little horror film, but not right. it, it made good money, but more. Well, yeah. But I mean, still the, you know, the point it's a valid point, right? You, mm-hmm. it would be, it would be considered sort of like a noir classic. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, and, and you know, is that is that a result of making Aliens like an action movie rather than more? I don't want to say more cerebral because Aliens isn't dumb, but you know, more populist. Right. Well, Cameron made it more accessible, right? Yeah, which mm-hmm. is sort of Cameron's thing, right? He he likes sort of simple plots, yeah, that everybody can enjoy, and um, good. yeah, good action it. sequences and right. Yeah, Why I agree. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty cool. I do think it was interesting, though. I, so I didn't know this, that apparently the British crew, when they were filming Aliens, was like, they were just like giant assholes to James Cameron. Really? Yeah, they were just like, well, um, as it turns out, you don't know shit about making movies, so we're going to be dicks to you. Because the only thing he'd made at that point was was like, what, The Terminator, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so, And like, I actually looked it up yesterday. He made Piranha 3D. Oh, that's right. Like that. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure he was quite, you know, the the the, the film yeah. auteur that he would become. But <laughs> yeah, he's like, I made Piranha 3D. You should listen to me, actually. Well, I, so apparently he was like, because till they win him over, he was like, all right, I'm going to do a, a screening of the Terminator to show you like what I'm capable of. So mm. it was like screening for the cast and the crew, and then the cast all showed up, but the crew didn't. <laughs> like they, they, they sound nice. Yeah. So I, what I what I really enjoyed was so he's dealing with all their shit this whole time. So at the end, right, the the wrap of the movie, uh-huh. he stands up and he's he's going to give a speech, right, as directors do at the end of their mm. whatever they're making, and he goes and this direct quote: "This has been a long and difficult shoot, fraught by many problems, but the one thing that kept me going through it all." was the certain knowledge that one day I would drive out the gate of Pinewood and never come back and that you sorry bastards would all still be here. <laughs> okay. I, I, I mean, if that if I was part of the crew or whatever listening to that, I'd be like, this guy sucks. But I, yeah. that's, pretty fu- that's pretty funny from an outside perspective. <laughs> Especially if they were really being jerks to him. Yeah, well, I'm sh- you know, they really called that one right, you know. Yeah, and I, those guys are probably working on top action movies, right? They probably have. <laughs> they probably have. Isn't I'm Avatar sure. 2 on the way to becoming one of the... It's like on... the uh, on what's the word I'm looking for? I think it's on the pace. biggest movie released in 2022. Already. Yeah, it's, it's on pace to make, you know, comparable amount of money, but... Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, I really... Every time, I feel like James Cameron... So it's not like he's put out a ton of movies in the past 20 years, right? No, no it's a, a relatively short list. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, well, it's Titanic, Avatar, mm-hmm. Avatar 2. That's yeah, it. That's really Other it. than, like, documentaries that he's done. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's like, oh, I make hit movies and I travel to the bottom of the ocean in, in my free time. So. Well, yeah, and so, like, what was the... I think, was the movie before Titanic, was it True Lies, if you've got it up? Uh... The yes, except for Terminator 2 3D Battle Across Time. 
Okay, but so yeah, that's whatever that is. <laughs> so that so that's not like a real thing. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so True Lies was '94, and then I yeah. think Titanic was '97. Yeah, and then so, Avatar was 2007. Yeah, so that's so, that's a big. Yeah, well, but you I look mean, at it right, and you're like, okay, so True Lies, I think that was like one of the largest budgets for an action movie ever. It was like 120 million or something. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, I don't know, this Jim Cameron man, he's spending too much money. And I was like, oh, okay, this is an awesome movie and it made a bunch of money. Okay. I'm sure, All right, I'm sure we'll he'll get over his, his spendy ways, you know? He'll, right. He'll rein so, it in eventually. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so like three years later, you know, they're like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll green light Titanic, but, you know, let's try to keep it under $100 million. $200 million because he wanted to build his own fucking Titanic. <laughs> he should have he just, just sailed away on his Titanic. This is my boat now. I'm a pirate. Well, he, like, basically used their budget. He said in an interview on, uh, I think it was Smartless, they wanted to go down and find Titanic. And, uh, you know, I, I used them to get to, to do it. I used the budget that they gave me. This motherfucker is going to, you know, he's going to explore the universe with Avatar money. He's going to be like, oh, I, I have to make Avatar 4 in actual outer space. And they're gonna be Tom like, Cruise is about to make it a movie in outer space. So, yeah, we're well on the way. These, these guys are going to be, you know, it's funding NASA. We're not going to have an actual budget. And it's just going to be these guys. What but, movie is Tom Cruise making in space? I don't, I don't know about that. I so I don't know what it's going to be called or anything like that, but he's like scheduled to go to space soon because he's going to film a movie in space. All right, all right, <laughs> Tom. If anybody would, you know, Tom Cruise. Yeah, would. no shit. Well, he can. Um, so I, personally, I like I like Tom Cruise movies. Like I I didn't know that I liked him as much as I did, but <laughs> I, I feel the same way. He sneaks I, up on you as like an actor you kind of like. He does, right? I, yeah. I you're like, oh, Tom Cruise is stupid, but then you watch his movies and you're like, it's pretty fun. Yeah, I, I feel like it was actually like maybe five or six years ago when I was like, eh, Tom Cruise movie, uh, yeah, I'll go see it. And I watched it, and I, I was like, oh, this, I think it was Night and Day, you know, because it was like, oh, this movie looks... And I was like, that was really fun. And then I was thinking about it afterwards, and I'm like, I can't think of a Tom Cruise movie I didn't like. Yeah. No, I, I know just what you mean. Um, I don't I don't remember Night and Day. I'm sure it was good. Cameron Diaz and Tom Cruise. And Tom Cruise and Sean William Scott. <laughs> and Catherine Zeta Jones. Hey, I think we're gonna end up watching Night and Day on this ranking, so <laughs> buckle up. Oh, fuck, okay, never mind. I'll, I'll stop making fun. Um I can't find this movie, that's all right. Uh I'm sure it's good. No, I feel the it's same night way. With because- a K. Oh, that might be a dick. Thanks. You're yeah, welcome. <laughs> making me look up night and day. Oh, there's an action movie I'd like to watch. It's it's night pretty good. I, I enjoyed oh. it. I know that's well, not saying much. Well, the the like you, you you go to it, and the first thing you see is Cameron Diaz. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> hard to look away. <laughs> Paul Paul Dano is in it. Um, is he really? Yeah. Oh apparently. yeah, he is. That's right. Uh, so I like him. I'm, I'm going to pull up Tom Cruise, and really quick, we're going to look, because he's in a lot of movies, but a lot of them, like, really, you look yeah, at it, and you're find like, a bad one. yeah, that's actually a good, like, for instance, all of the Mission Impossible movies are apparently pretty good. I haven't seen any since two. But oh, just really? Oh, man, they've, every, they've gotten progressively better. Yeah, that's what you hear. It's How weird is it that, like, the eighth installment of an action franchise is, like, better than all the rest? 
Right. Without adding like tons of new characters or, or new celebrities or anything, right? Yeah, this one jackass, Ethan Hunt, just be, and like actually a lot of the original people are in it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and then Ed- Edge of Tomorrow is apparently awesome. I haven't seen. Oh that. my! You haven't seen Edge of Tomorrow? Okay, that that one have. has to be added to it. I fucking love Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> Holy right, shit! Tell us, how, tell us how you really feel. Um, I'm, I'm. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I've wanted to see that, so we should absolutely because I I've, I've been meaning to and just never have. And then like Tropic Thunder, you know, like that's good. That's all. Yeah. Also, like Departure for him, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It was cool. But but uh, so but yeah, uh, he sneaks up on you. Where the fuck were we? <laughs> yeah. Well, Plus so track. oh, he's making a movie in space. James Cameron oh, might make right, a movie. Right. In space. That's how we got there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This should be the our podcast should be the non sequitur. Two idiots <laughs> fucking ramble about whatever comes to mind. I didn't realize that the, that he had viewed this film as an allegory for Vietnam. Really? Yeah, isn't that fascinating? That so is, I, and it makes perfect sense when you think. Doesn't about it? it? What? So I I read that quote before I watched it this week, and I was like really yeah. like paying attention to that. And he, so this is what he said. Direct quote. Um, so. It can be seen as an allegory to the inability of the superior American firepower to conquer the unseen enemy in Vietnam. A lot of firepower and very little wisdom. Wow, that's, that's actually kind of deep when you think about it. Right? Yeah, because they go they go in all all gung ho and then get torn apart and then don't know what to do about it. Right. Exactly. And and you know those space marines, it really is kind of like every Vietnam movie you watch at the beginning, it's all like that's a very similar said. ragtag bunch. So exactly. Ragtag, but you know, dysfunctional well, bunch. I don't know. Dysfunctional. Exactly. He said, he mm. said it, that uh, he viewed it as, you know, he was, he was viewing it as like the Vietnam movies that have been made. Um, how they're all like, like toxic masculinity. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so interesting because, when when my spouse and I were watching it last night, they they they're very in tune to like gender stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I notice it a lot more than like maybe I might. And for the beginning of the movie, they were like, "This is really neat because I feel like nobody's really mentioning that Ripley is female, and it like doesn't matter so much. She's just a crew member, right?" And and they're like, "Does that continue throughout the movie?" And I'm like, "Sorta." And then basically right after they said that, we got to the. Um, part where the marines show up and suddenly that changes somewhat right right but i think that was the point yeah yeah because the marines to show that they're like sort of unevolved basically yeah. yeah the marines wake up and basically immediately it's like fun but stupid banter uh vasquez you ever get mistaken for a man like immediately you know what i mean yeah well i guess there was um there was an old movie star star celebrity whatever like from the 20s or 30s or something i don't even remember um i can't remember her name but some jerk reporter asked her that question have you ever been mistaken for a man uh-huh. and she said oh no darling have you <laughs> so he he like james cameron loved that she did that yeah so he, he wanted to put it in the movie so that was how he figured out how to put it in yeah so i thought that was really interesting it is I don't want to get too deep into the potent notable. So there's a lot of cool stuff there. Like, you know, the fact that the game over man is a, is an improv, right. By Bill Paxton. Uh-huh. I, and like, I thought it was interesting. Bill Paxton said that the reason so he was like really nervous about improv, but J- James Cameron 
uh, encouraged all the actors to improvise their characters' backstories. Uh-huh. So Paxton was like, I, I basically viewed him as a gamer, and I figured he'd probably done a lot of uh, training simulations, you oh. know? And so that game over would be very, like, visceral to him. What a... Damn, I, I this is like a bunch of stuff that I didn't know. And sometimes you read like stuff like that, and you're like, "That's kind of dumb." But this is all pretty cool. Like, it really well, kind of adds a little bit. I mean, the, I mean, that character is kind of an idiot, but that sort of actually adds a a little bit of an interesting dimension to him. Yeah, exactly. I I actually found so because because I did this this research on this, I found Bill Paxton's character to be the most well acted. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like he was who he was the whole time. You like never, I didn't view him as Bill Paxton. Whereas like when I was younger, I think I just sort of viewed him as Bill Paxton. And this time I like kind of got sucked into the Hudson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, and so there is one more that I wanted to mention because I just thought this was fascinating too. So Michael Bean who plays Hicks and is also a love interest in the Terminator. Uh, He wasn't the original Hicks. Mm -hmm. It was actually James Remar. I don't even know who that is. I don't even know. (laughs) But Cameron fired him. And so originally when he got fired, the studio like put it out like, Oh, there was some artistic differences. But then years later, Remar came out and was like, Hmm. Uh, it wasn't so much artistic differences as it was that he didn't like that I had a bag of cocaine on the set with me. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> so yeah, he's, yeah. So he he got fired for bringing a bag of cocaine on set. Alrighty. I mean, I definitely I took some notes as I was watching. I, I assume you did too. I did not, but I took mental notes. Okay. I'm all set. So, okay. So let's kind of go through the movie sort of beginning to end but without i don't want to get crazy in depth here but um i did uh i i went into it like with the goal of trying to imagine that i'd never seen alien mm-hmm. right so like do i need alien to explain things to me as i'm okay watching it? okay um i don't did you I, I had that naturally because the person I was watching it with hasn't seen Alien. So. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That actually, so I'm gonna that refer, actually ended up working. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm going to refer to you on a lot of those things because um, I, you know, it's tough for me because I I knew you know, mm-hmm. so it's hard to just be like, why is there an alien? <laughs> What's alien anyway? Yeah. Let me look it up in the encyclopedia. <laughs> This is what spurred all of your research. Not exactly. Exactly. I but, was like, alien, what's that? I knew the words, but <laughs> no, it really, it really works well as a uh, sort of standalone thing. I felt like it did too. They explain a lot of stuff, but not like in a way that makes you feel like you missed anything. Right. There's not a lot of exposition. Yeah. They, they did it in a very efficient way. Yeah. Where, like we get that inquisition or whatever it was where. Right. It's expl- something happened. There was Ripley claims there was some sort of creature, but they don't know. And like that's all we really needed. Right, I agree. I, I thought it was really well done, where you could bring somebody up to speed on a sequel without it having to be without it having to be like basically you know montage clips of the previous oh, I movie. Know. 
So that that drags the movie down so much. So this keeps it like very much more. I don't want to say fast paced, but it, it keeps your interest because you're not going like, why am I getting a history lesson on this franchise? Right. But exactly. I, exactly. So that's good. And then when the when the the salvager is on the planet, I can't really remember when they when they find the 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 engineer ship or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's it, it feels like finding it for the first time. It doesn't feel like you have to recognize it from the first movie. Oh yeah, it, it helps yeah, to know. Oh, it helps to know. Oh, there's the ship. Ooh, there's aliens on there. But you don't really need to because it's presented in the same way as when they find it in the first movie, which is that. Oh wow, what's this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I also thought it was interesting that you know even in that opening sequence where you know the Nostromus is mm-hmm. or the, the escape shuttles yeah. going through space or whatever, you don't have to know who that person is. Yeah, exactly. You know, I also go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go. Well, I was just going to say, I thought it was interesting too. I, I had read this. So when I heard it, I actually heard it. Um, I didn't ever know this before, but that first line of the movie, the very first line that's spoken, like the the vital signs are all there. Mm -hmm. This person's alive or whatever it says. Yeah. That's James Cameron's voice. It's really, yeah. Isn't that fascinating? It is. Um, it's not him doing the acting, though, right? Like, no, it's not him acting. doing the acting. He just did the voiceover for it. He's like, this guy has a shitty voice. I need to, I need to step in here. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, um, it's a great way to start. It's 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 a it's really interesting and really draws you in. And like you said, you don't actually need to care that this is someone you know. It's just, ooh, who's this in the life pod? And that's a classic way to start this kind of story. Well, right. And I, I actually think it's a change from most. It's different. I shouldn't say a change, but it's different than a typical action movie. Because a typical action movie, that first that first sequence is almost always an action sequence. Right? Mm-hmm. Get people drawn in and then it, and then they do the credits and then they start building the story. It's a right? it's a truism about heist movies that the very first scene needs to be a separate heist that has nothing to do with the eventual heist right exactly exactly it's the um, same thing same premise um so but this, in, yeah like you said this was this it's so interesting because like very little happens really for the first like hour of this movie right i know and th- that was actually what made me to me aliens was an action movie right mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. It, i didn't even question it when we discussed it yeah but then watching but then movie, i watched it, i'm like well, damn, there's no action. <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, there's the, there's the dream she has with the chest burster, but that doesn't even, like, finish. It stops. Right. And then just, it's all set up, and it's all, like, slow burn, kind of, not super uh, dramatic or um, suspenseful, but, like, really taking a minute to set up the actors. I, that, that works so well to me. It's, it's one of the... You know, I think you were going to go on and say that it's kind of less action for you for that reason, but for me, it actually makes it more action because well, it builds it, suspense. It builds the suspense, and I feel like people yeah. nobody. I feel like people don't make action movies like that anymore. No, I don't I, know. I agree. It's it's like such an I don't want you know it's such an art to to really make the action sequences that much more exciting because right. you've been you've been waiting for this to happen and you know it's coming, but when is it coming? Hitchcock used to say that action is the bomb going off, suspense is the bomb not going off. Right. Oh, that's such a good line. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. That's a perfect way to put it. But he builds so much tension and suspense throughout this whole movie. I mean mm-hmm. really. And it's something so that, I admire it's something I admire about him because um regardless of if you think the plots are stupid or whatever, 
it's all done very professionally. It's right. It's it's a filmmaker's touch to that's what yeah super plots. He uses he uses the space of of the film right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to carry the story to, mm -hmm. to draw you in. He he's not trying to flash things at you. Yeah, to get you to stay stay involved. Mm -hmm. You know, which yeah, I agree. It's a it's a filmmaker's touch. Absolutely, it's Spielbergian. I feel he's one of the few people who also does that really well. You know what's funny is so like there is an integral part of the plot mm -hmm. um, that I had like completely forgotten was part of it, and that was that Ripley had a daughter. Yeah. Did you remember that? I had I, I like I, like, I oh, did, but there, a daughter? there's a specific reason I remember it, which is a video game. There's uh, what's the name of the video? Uh, Alien Isolation is the name of the video game. I know what you're thinking. Oh, alien video games aren't always very good. I have like, that I game. I never oh, played it. But I think yeah, because remember that I was thinking of it during the movie because the scene where I, we maybe we shouldn't skip ahead, but where Newt is hiding from the alien from the alien queen uh -huh. specifically, that is basically all of Alien Isolation. It's not really an action game; it's a hiding because the alien will kill you the second it sees you. Game. Oh, it's like Slenderman. It's it's very intense because like it's one of those games where your character is not trained to fight and it shows because your character will die quickly and and ammo and guns very limited so for instance i haven't beaten it because i'm at a part where i can't find any more flamethrower fuel <laughs> and i can't i can't i can't make it past the alien it's impossible <laughs> oh really i can't make it but anyway that that game is from the point of view of the daughter um, i think maybe amanda ripley well, so buckle up, everybody, all of our, all yeah. of our listeners. Oh yeah, we're going to be ranking video games at some point. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> as soon as we get through all of the thirty thousand other things we have to rank, <laughs> exactly. um, the rankings will never end. But but the daughter is very much on my mind because I was thinking of that game the whole time where you play as her and she's trying to like, it's not really finding out what happened to her mom, but it's part of it. That's interesting. Okay, I did I didn't realize. Yeah, and the and the daughter is important because of the uh, the way she attaches to another character, right? Right, exactly. Well, that's what I mean. It's so important to the plot because Newt becomes mm. her surrogate daughter, you know, mm. like, and you can see why that would be so important to her because mm. now you know she's essentially lost a child. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess there's at least some solace in knowing that she lived a full life, although. Really, this far into the future, and she can't make it past sixty-six. Like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, we mentioned that during the movie too. Why does she look like she's like eighty? She looks like she's picture. eighty, but she said they said she died at sixty-six. I'm like, man, that girl <laughs> should not have smoked. Yeah, maybe she was terrorized by aliens and prematurely stressed out. Well, according to Alien Isolation, that sounds exactly. right. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, in my game, she didn't even survive. So, so it all works. And all she died in the or something. Timeline. But, but uh, what a what a sweet like you know surrogate family kind of plot this movie has, huh? Yeah. Speaking yeah. Of, speaking of Newt and and Hicks, like what there's what, a lot what, that sneaks up on you in this one. What's the opposite of dysfunctional? It's such a functional little family unit, briefly. So and it, and it gives it such weight. It does a lot to uh, to make you care about them getting out. 
you know, mm -hmm. other than just that you want that they're, they're heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I also, I, I couldn't help it. Every time they were showing all the fancy future tech, you know, like uh, mm -hmm. the, the nurse FaceTime. Yeah. It's just like, wow, this is, uh, they did not yeah. see cell phones coming. That's for sure. No, they, they really didn't. They didn't even see computers getting out of that. Um, I know. That green really text. digital. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. MS -DOS. That has a name. I don't remember. Like, yeah, all, all computers still run on, on MS-DOS in the future, apparently. There's not. Yeah. CD backslash. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's on 3.5.8 uh, floppy disks. <laughs> or even, yeah. I don't even know. But uh, yeah. But I, I like it though, because it's like such a retro kind of like vision of the future. I think it's really fun. But that's, yeah. I, because I grew up in the 80s. So. Well, well, so it's, it's funny you say that because I, I wrote that down too. Is that um, I, I really like how gritty. Uh, the feel of it it's like so i feel like a lot of sci-fi movies or futuristic movies everything's mm -hmm. neat and clean mm -hmm. and looks fancy and looks like yeah. futuristic but in this everything's like really gritty and uh, you know it could it, it could have just as well been made in our time right mm -hmm. um but you know you have some some obviously you have some tech that that you wouldn't have had in our time so that yeah. that brings it out of it, but it's it's gritty enough that it feels like this you could you could be going through this. Yeah, this is nah. like a, a very a very lived in feel, a very yeah. like like um and that goes that goes in with the practical effects that they, they use too that right. if I miss these days, it wasn't all just green screen digital. Right. They they made actual objects that the characters interact with. And I'm not trying to, you know, diss visual effects, but well, it's um, harder. It's harder to make it believable when it's visual effects as opposed to practical. I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do too because the, it just has a certain physicality to it. That... I did think that the monetary values that they attach to things were sort of laughably low. Yeah, I know. And it's a forty-two million dollar M-class starship. Like forty-two million. That's million? it. Sure. It's like a billion dollars to make Air Force One. Yeah, for real. Um, it felt it felt like an Austin Powers, you know, where he's like a right, million exactly. dollars. One million dollars. Yeah. It's like, all right, you okay? You built a whole starship for that. I can I have a starship? I feel like I can get a loan for forty-two million dollars. <laughs> My credit score is good enough. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but yeah, like, and you know, so many characters in these movies are in the first one and this one are salvagers and just basic shipping kind of like it's not starship pilots. It's truckers almost you know right exactly yeah which is i mean when i look into the future and you know, I, I think that's kind of what we're going to be looking at you know mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. that that kind of work will be considered blue collar yeah so and not everyone is going to be you know the, the scientists and high class people working on stuff some people are going to be just grunts. right exactly so I, I do think that they have, I think it, it makes for a realistic look at what mm -hmm. the future could be. Let's hope it's not too realistic because I don't think I really want to deal with a xenomorph. I, I, I think I can handle it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did, any, did anybody try punching them? Just being like, get out of my face? <laughs> I just, why no diplomacy? That's what I want. I know. Immediate, immediate anger, America. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Exactly. Yeah. I actually, so the, I didn't remember that we saw Newt so early on either. 
Yeah, I know. I, um, I forgot that it was her parents that fucked everything up. Damn, damn, Mister and Mrs. Newt. They get a they get a name, but I don't remember what it is. Jordan, um, right? Rebecca yeah. Jordan is her name. Dang, I don't remember that. Um, <laughs> but that that goes back to the setting up everybody and and really careful storytelling because you know in a movie when you see a they focus on a kid, you're probably going to see that kid again, right? Right, right. But when? Is it her crawling around in the vents or what? You know, right? We see um, we see Newt. Um, we see her parents screwing everything up. So that's a dual purpose kind of scene there because we right. get the kid and we get the how they get the aliens. Um, where are we now? We're still at the very beginning. Um, yeah, and I also wanted to say just this one because I just think this is so funny. How far men's fashion has gone come. <laughs> The, the only thing that's changed is that the collar is up. The collar is up. Um, that was that was weird. Die. That was weirdly noticeable. That they were like, all right, we got to make this look futuristic, but we ran out of time. <laughs> Spending so much time on the alien, we forgot Paul Reiser's suit. Um, geez, we can turn the collar up. Okay, that'll work. <laughs> well, the future is the future is weirdly ha- has a lot of high collars. If you watch older yeah. sci-fi movies, what's with that? I don't know. I don't know. That's it's so. <laughs> Like this is the this is going to be the look. It's high collars everywhere in the future. I swear. I remember I remembered this scene as a scene that I historically have always been like, why did why is this in here? Mm-hmm. Not in terms of like it's not like a long scene or anything, but you know he's like mm-hmm. uh, I think it's Hudson is like going at it with Apone or Apon or whatever. I always yeah. thought they were saying Apom like Napalm. Um, yeah, his, his but, name looks like it should be Apone or something. But, yeah, well, because you know, Ix calls him Apone, and yeah. the lieutenant calls him Apon. Oh well, okay. So, <laughs> hey, maybe you know that actually might be showing that the lieutenant doesn't know the crew that well. Or well, that's what I was thinking too. Which is actually, you know, another and I gotta stop doing this. But another interesting thing that I read was that you know, as most movies are, how many books did you read about this movie? <laughs> You know, what the hell is wrong with you? You're in tomes and stuff. <laughs> Going to a national library, looking through the archives. Exactly. <laughs> Just another uh, cool filmmaker tidbit for, for James Cameron. And, you know, he filmed it out of sequence. as like, That's pretty typical, right? But his what he decided to do is he filmed all of the scenes uh, with, you know, the Marine people together, mm-hmm. fighting aliens and stuff. He filmed all those first. Mm-hmm. And then went back and filmed the first scene that they're in together, so that they would already have some camaraderie. How about that? I, I love those. Was... I love these little filmmaker tricks. It's just like what Spielberg did in uh, Saving Private Ryan. Right. I, I thought it was really cool because yeah, he didn't like let them meet. Matt, uh, Matt yeah, and like they had to do. Oh, I. What did he do with that? He he made them do more basic training than Matt Damon. Yeah, Matt Damon and, and like, do the soft stuff so that they resented him. Right, exactly. Exactly. It's fascinating. Maybe these filmmakers are all like sociopaths and they all like <laughs> playing games with people. <laughs> Whatever, they make nice movies. So. What, what, I th- what I thought was weird, this is where, right. where it all started, Right. was yeah. the Apon, he Ooh. goes, or Apon, whatever, he goes, he's arguing with Hudson, and then Hudson, he looks at Hudson and goes, look into my <laughs> eye. Yeah. And then just like walks away. Uh-huh. I'm like, what? That, Why? That that always felt like a strange thing to. It's, it doesn't feel like it follows what Hudson said. 
it doesn't follow what Hudson said. It, it makes no like it was. It's never referenced again. Like why the yeah. is that a thing he says? <laughs> it's I, his like, big free, but he never says it again. Yeah, and like he pulls like his skin down to make his eye even bigger. Yeah. With like looks like the cigar is gonna like burn his friggin' pupil. That would be nice. And and just uh, there's no payoff. I just I always thought that was such a weird one. Anyway, I love I love Apone's cigar. By the way, it's like so such a cool character. character <laughs> the way he chews on it and just rawr, in his mouth. And, yeah, uh, and he has it like in his cryo he, tube with him. He brought it into the cryo tube. Does, yeah, first thing like he does in, is put it in, in his, his shorts, and he's like, ah. Well, actually, why do they all need to be in their underwear? I was wondering this. With, well, with the cryo tubes. I feel like clothing should work fine. You would think but, so, for one. No, for two, why why are, like, all the marine girls in, like, short shorts? Yeah. And Ripley's in these kind of small <laughs> underwear that we yeah. can see. PG-13 suddenly, like, actually the movie I think is R. I'm pretty but, sure it's R, yeah. There's a lot of killing. But that's the same way as in the first movie. I know in the first movie they purposely wanted to add some very weirdly sexual elements. Yeah. Um, H.R. Geiger, I know, designed the aliens specifically to have um, both parts that referenced male and female genitalia. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I was, I was, I was looking through the archives, you see. I was doing <laughs> research for this. <laughs> I was actually just on the alien wiki or whatever it was. And H.R. Geiger, like, because it has the very phallic head, right? Mm-hmm. The head carapace. Yeah. But, but its mouth if if I may be disgusting, it's very dripping and very open. Right. So so they very much wanted to make it like not sexually terrifying, but like sexual uncomfortable. Like why is this like so weirdly referencing human sexuality, but also disgusting? Yeah, that's interesting because I always felt like the parasite kind of. Oh, absolutely. That's another. Yeah. Another facet. It's. Uh, I mean, Ripley in this movie even says like it's been impregnated. Is that the right word? But. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, and they, they put Ripley in her very skimpy underwear in the first movie at the end. Right. To like make you kind of feel like uh, the vulnerability of like, this is a woman and now she's almost naked and the alien is lurking. So maybe they kind of continued on that, but that doesn't really follow with Marines because they're pretty secure in themselves. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's probably just because like, well, I guess they had her in her underwear last time, so. Yeah, it's just the thing. You got to be in your own. Maybe that. Maybe the. Maybe the inventor of the cryo technology was a real pervert. You all have to be in your underwear. It doesn't work otherwise. Okay. Don't worry. While you're sleeping, I'm not doing anything. Nope, not looking in at you at all and touching myself. <laughs> Actually, have you seen? Have you seen Prometheus? And I have. It's been a while. I mean, it's been a while for me too. But it, there's a very, there's sort of a creepy feeling of the android played by Michael Fassbender. He's awake while everyone else is in their cryo sleep, and it. He's not like doing anything too creepy, but he does like look at them occasionally, and it does feel like this is kind of weird. But yeah, so I'll just mention one other thing that I thought was kind of silly. So they introduce the lieutenant, mm-hmm. and he like walks up with his back to them. Yeah, and then they're like, and so here's the lieutenant, and then he turns around dramatically. And he's like, <laughs> "All right, yeah. guys." Yeah, his introduction is a little strange actually, because isn't he introduced also when? Paul Reiser comes to her, her apartment. Isn't yeah. that with the, with the and like he just doesn't matter. Then he comes back later and it's like the same guy. I don't know. Well, he wasn't introduced to the Marines, I think, at that point. 
Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. But it's because still, it's such a dramatic, like, he's got his back to them, and then he turned. Like, why did he do that? Was that, like, you think maybe it was, like, a to show how formal and, like, into regulation kind of stuff he is? Or, like, just that he... I thought it was more that, that he's, like, above them. Yeah, that yeah. He that himself is above them. Yeah. That, that fits, given what happens next. And then you've got the, uh, the old... Uh, the old visual effect tech, alert, oh. right? Where you've got it's not so bad when they're just like showing them dry, like going through the clouds close yeah. up, but when they when they pan away and it's just like this very, just, I don't even know how to describe how, how not good it looks in today's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're actually you're right because it's a little. It feels it's like different when when you see the ship there. Because yeah. a lot of the rest looks because they probably use models, right? But a lot of the right. rest of the models somehow look a lot better than this putting it over a screen or whatever they were doing. I think at the at the time it probably didn't it probably didn't even probably looked fine, but it was fine. Little, it was out of a little out of place. I'm glad hey, how credit to Cameron for not going back and changing it though. Well I, I would say, you know, in spite of the fact that like the faraway shots don't look that great, um mm. when you're doing a close up look of that that futuristic helicopter for lack of a better word yeah um, it, is. it looks pretty menacing yeah it does um i was thinking how cool it looked when they yeah like, undo the arms or something yeah and they got the arms standing straight up right mm-hmm. looks like man i i would not want to see that if i was like in battle you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like oh fuck this i'm leaving yeah, and i love the. i don't know it probably doesn't mean anything but i love the the way that the pilot looks with her cool aviator shades. It's a very cool, yeah. it's a very cool image to me. I was like, yeah. yeah, this is cool. Look at these cool Marines going in. They're going to kick ass. I'm sure. I also found the terraforming stuff like really fascinating. Yeah. That was also well done. Yeah. I thought that was really, I was, I thought it, was, it just made me, I like when movies make me like ponder the future, you know, uh-huh. or like, no, it was, it was good world building. Yeah, not to coin a phrase, given that they're terraforming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> building better worlds. I liked the fact that the tech wasn't that good always. I mean, it was good, but like they mentioned, this takes decades. It's yeah, like I liked that too. That was what I was. I was fascinated by the whole like build up around it. I thought mm-hmm. it was really well, well done. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that. If if that you know ever came to fruition, right, where we're terraforming other worlds, mm-hmm. that's probably what it, it wouldn't be an instant thing. You yeah, know? and and the space travel takes rather a long time. It's just it's kind of real realistic in a way that it's not just like this is the future. We can just travel at ninety times the speed of light and get there in seconds. Yeah, and I also like the idea that like, of course, it would be a corporation that is building these terraforming machines. So mm-hmm. that they can sell it to like disaffected people who want to leave the planet they're on and start anew, right? Like, yep. like you know, I I could see like a Heaven's Gate style cult mm-hmm. buying, like collecting money and buying that so that they can leave and you know. Can, can we get Scientologists away. to do that? Can they? Can we get them to go to a different planet? Hey, Tom Cruise is working on it. It's going to space. <laughs> he's, he's bringing them to space. All right, everybody, come with me. We're all like, you, you guys go ahead. Yeah, have fun up there. But how how like how little things change with the corporation 
and the yeah. bottom line stuff. It's it's almost funny how little like because we joked that it was the 80s. So, of course, the business guys are bad guys. Right. But like at the same time, business guys continue to thrive and thrived at the time. So we make movies about them being the bad guys. But right. Well, they're I would say they're thriving even more now. Mm hmm. So I don't know. Well, you know, I would say not to get, again, too deep into this kind of stuff, but I would say that human beings, uh, we've become so much more distracted that it becomes easier for them to become more powerful. Bright and circuses. Yep. Um, I, I, I was writing about how there weren't that actually that many action sequences in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, up until the end, I mean, pretty much the last like the big stretch yeah the the last maybe the first hour and a half of the movie there's not much in way of yeah. in the way of action but then the last hour is like almost all action it's a wall to wall yeah so but i, I did you know, that's that that works so well for me because you don't get tired of the action as much by the end of the movie you definitely feel like oh but like i watch some action movies and it's like all right i get it you know yeah, right, right. Okay, uh, another chase um, scene. Fast yeah, I'm cars. done. Got I'm it. done with it. Like, I don't want to bring up other movies too much, but when I saw the the Peter Jackson King Kong in the theater, I mean that movie's like three hours long anyway. Yeah, I was like, all right, King Kong's fighting stuff. Can we move on with life? He's fighting these three T Rexes for like what felt like interminably. So I like I like when a movie holds its cards and then plays the good hand rather than trying to continually. What about this? What about this? Do you like this one? Yeah. Well, I, it also, I think, I think when you, it's the visual effect portion of it too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have all these movies nowadays that the fight scenes last forever and mm-hmm. it's like almost all digital, you know? So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. to me, it's like, I, I don't need to watch a video game sequence, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, for real. Some I, of them just do devolve into video games sometimes. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's. I think that a choreographed action sequence is better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Personally, it goes but, back. It goes back to the physicality we were talking about, where you can almost feel the characters' exhaustion because they're actually right. doing stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Like how just, how tired does does Ripley feel by the end of that movie? You know. Right. Exactly. Like, and and the and the good action movies. As and and I'm sure this is we're gonna end up agreeing on this, but this is a good action movie. And um, yeah, I think we like it so far. <laughs> but, we're only through the first ten minutes, I think, in our. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you feel the exhaustion for every one of them, not just Ripley. Absolutely, all of the supporting characters as well. They're just they're exhausted. Um. But uh, I, I did think this was kind of funny, though, because, you know, Hicks gives her, like, here, wear this so I can locate you, right? And she immediately gives it to Yeah, and she immediately re-gifts it. But She's then like, later on, Hicks is like, we can track her with this. And I'm like, how do you think... fucking know he, she has it? It's like noticed and never mentioned it, you know? Yeah. But whatever. Um, so, I mean, we're getting towards the end here. I, so I would say... You know, Cameron's building tons of tension throughout mm-hmm. this whole end of the movie. Um, but one of the, I so I know there's like a lot of iconic lines, you know, it's like Game of Man and mm-hmm. which I thought he said repeatedly through that movie. He only says it like once. Yeah, I it's just he, that one part. I thought he said it like over and over again in my memory. So that's how iconic it is. But 
the I I feel like the iconic moment, and it goes with exactly what you were talking about the exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Right? She's going down the elevator with that flamethrower, mm-hmm. and she's like stealing herself to be ready yeah. for it. And you just see like she's so exhausted, and then the door opens and she's like, "Fuck it, it's go time." That yeah. is like such a badass moment. Yeah, to me, like, like letting letting her be tired for a second in that way that we all sometimes need to like just okay, I need a second and then I can go. Right. I can't, I can't just be invincible the entire time. Right. But then the door opens and she's like, and then she's all right, ready. I'm, I'm doing this. And that's just like the, the expression. I mean, I just, I just think that's such an iconic like moment in the movie. Absolutely. Like, and, fuck yeah. Ripley's going to kick your ass, you stupid alien. Yeah. And, and how <laughs> unusual like that, yeah, exactly. And how unusual that it was a woman that they let. Right. Female. Have this role. Yeah. That was part of the reason that, so Bill Paxton actually said James Cameron was per- was like the perfect director for this movie mm-hmm. because he was coming off of a movie where there was a female, strong female lead, the Terminator, mm-hmm. and he did it so well. And he's like, you needed somebody that didn't want to take away of the female character's feminism, mm-hmm. but still wanted her wanted her strength to be in her. Uh, yeah, her feminism, right? Mm-hmm. So, I just think that's. I think yeah, that's, it was really well done, really cool. Very. The last thing that I'll say, and it, this is a just sort of a little bit of a, a gripe. The way the queen gets on to the, like the aircraft. Yeah, yeah. I just always felt like that's it. That looks weak to me. It, I actually agree. It feels. Like, of course she did, but at the same time, like, really, she hung on to it. Like, it's just, it's, and well, like. I'm like, is I, that her, the, like, the things that are hanging off the side? Yeah. You know, I, to me, I don't know. I just felt like, I just felt like it was kind of, like, poorly done. And I also felt like, so sometimes, and this is, I think a lot of action movies are guilty of this, where they like, oh, but it's not done yet, you know? Yeah. It, it it came a little close to that sort of feeling of like, all right, what what you know, can we like end it or is it just going to continue? Oh no, it's actually there's actually another one. Like, come on, yeah. And right. I think they I think they did that just because they wanted to blow her up the airlock again, right? So well, they had you to get knew her up why it happened. They wanted yeah. to they wanted to show that the whole point of her being able to do the the you know oh the loader the load use the loader yeah. was going to have a reason later on. And that wasn't on the planet, so they had to get her up to the. Exactly. Exactly. So, I, so I get that the reasoning behind it, but to me, it's like it. You could have had that final fight scene yeah. there, I think, and yeah. I think it would have been just as cathartic, you know, or even just like wounding her enough that as you're flying away, you see her get fucking blown to bits by yeah. a nuclear explosion. Right. It's 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 a little clumsy. I agree. Yeah. So and it comes it comes at a bad time. You want that to be pretty slick. But yeah. Yeah. So that's that was the only thing for me. I, I always I, agree. I I love and it doesn't take away that that final fight scene. I love it. I mean, it's yeah, it's another iconic scene. Speaking of iconic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But so could have been a little slicker for me. Yeah. So let's um let's go into our rankings. This is rankings. This is apparently going to be a two hour podcast per movie. Cameron will have come out with another avatar by the time we finish. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So we created 10 categories, 10 categories. And 
Um, we're going to rank them one through five, five being the best, one being the worst, and then basically add it up, um, and then that'll be how we rank things, right? So mm -hmm. first category, I've got story. Um, what, what did you give it? Uh, I think you're going to be surprised in general at my my ratings across the board here. I gave the story a nine, which feels oh, are a little we doing, Are we doing one through ten? Yeah, what were you doing? We're doing one through five. I can do a five. I can do a one through five. I'm going to give it a four then. Okay. Okay. I did four and a half. So I, you know what? I'm going to do four and a half too because I want. I think that that obviously happens. Nine. It adds up to your original score then. Nine. Yeah. Um, so, so, but yeah, I. Uh, it might, you know, going into this, I might have said, you know, Aliens is a good action movie, but like, I don't really know if it's quite that good. But, but w watch it again. I, the story was exactly what it needed to be. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought the story was was perfectly done. You know, mm -hmm. it's um, yeah. I, I really, I felt like uh, it. It never, it never feels like it's weak. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's a. There's a purpose to everything that's put in it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so then the next category is acting. So I'll, I'll say mine first. Go for it. I said three and a half. Really? Yeah. I, I thought that might surprise you. Yeah. You didn't, you weren't feeling it so much? Well, so I thought that there was a lot of great stuff about the acting, but I felt like, you know, I'm trying to trying to rank it as a whole, right? Yeah, and yeah. um, you know, I know it's just a, it's a kid actor, but Newt's just you know not that great of an actor. But yeah, and, and nothing against her. she's a kid, right? I mean, yeah. how can how can as a kid can you really relate to a situation, the trauma that's involved in that? I would hope that you would never be able to relate to that as a kid. Yeah. That was they're going around looking for a kid who. Okay, so have you been ever chased by an alien kid? And the kid's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And so I also didn't feel like, and I, I, what I don't like, I don't want to, I want this to come out. Like somebody's going to listen to this and think that I don't like Sigourney Weaver or something, but I felt like when it had to be a heavier scene, she just, I didn't like stay in it with her. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like when she's like, when she says the thing, like it was her 11th birthday, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, was I like, guess I can do that. You know, I mean, for tension and suspense and like strength, she's great. But when it came to like the emotional connection stuff, I just felt like I would often be kind of brought out of it when she yeah. was doing that. I guess, I guess I can see that. Well, I gave I gave the act not the three point five by the way is that bad score for acting right. or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want it to seem like it is because I didn't think it was terrible acting or anything. I just Okay. Headlines: John Kyes hates Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver <laughs> seeks vengeance. Um, yeah. I oh, gave. They're not gonna give a shit about me. <laughs> yeah, she's like, fuck that guy. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I gave I gave the acting a four point five. Um, wow. I thought, okay. I thought I thought the acting again was exactly what it needed to be. Um, and I, I I can see what you mean with the Sigourney Weaver maybe not quite hitting the emotional beats as much, but uh, worked for me. Everybody else was absolutely perfect like i wouldn't i wouldn't change any any of the performances and for me that has to be basically close to perfect. yeah yeah i mean i think the way i view acting is um 
if I can spend the whole movie without just completely believe, like not seeing you as the actor, but yeah. as the character, then that's that's a great acting job. That's that's you a know? way to go. Yeah. So that and that was why that was the only reason I took points off is because I there were a few times throughout the movie that I was like, oh, okay, it's Sigourney Weaver, you know, it's yeah. not Ripley, yeah. and and then for Newt, I mean, there's this one line actually, my wife and I bring it up still well not to like make fun but just because we thought it was a silly they mostly come out at night mostly (laughs) you know what i can i can see that being a little bit of an awkward line too the mostly part especially the addition yeah exactly and you know it's kids she's just reading she's not gonna be like i don't think my character would say this like this (laughs) she's over there what's my character's motivation exactly right she's just like well this is what it says so i'm gonna read it God, why do you hate Newt? Like, <laughs> I don't hate. You, you despise <laughs> Newt, Jesus. I think you would just hate children. But let's go to originality because I, I feel like you're going to give it a five. Am I right? No, that's that's what I was going to say. I think you're going to be surprised because I only gave that a three point five. Which again, that's really? not a bad score. But yeah, no, not a bad score. I gave it a four and a half. Okay, okay. So we are kind of going back and forth a little bit on between excellent and just very good. Yeah, right. Exactly. For I'll I'll explain my yeah. I want to hear. Um. So, it's a good plot. It's exactly what it needs to be. Like I said, but it is just your standard action movie plot. It's they go someplace to kill some stuff. They kill some stuff. The stuff kills them. They run away. Big boom. Like interesting point. You know. it's not that it's bad that it's like paint by numbers. It's good that it is because it's a tried and true formula. It's not that it's got a bad plot. It's just that it's it's not a super original plot. Yeah, you know, well, when you said that, it it sort of changed the way I looked at it because mm-hmm. I looked at it as, you know, does it does it separate itself from the original, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do I need oh. the original to to watch it? Is it yeah. is it original in its own you know franchise its own ip yeah. so i gave it a four and a half because i thought it really did stand on its own really well yeah you're right about that but but you know after you said that i i think i'm going to change mine i'm going to change it to a four oh i persuaded you you did you, my powers of rhetoric tell me about um, action sequences yeah so action sequences i mean there there aren't a ton so yeah. I, I actually gave it a three and a half oh you, but, you're much harsher on this movie than I am so far. Actually, well, I think so so here's like here's my reasoning though. It's not. It's more just that the action sequences I didn't think were like blow me out of the water action sequences. Mm-hmm. It's that so the tension and the suspense build for those for the sequences are really what make them yeah. great. You know, so that's why I was like, well, you know, I would normally say. Yeah, probably four, four and a half. But I thought the actual sequence isn't super great. It's just that it's such a relief when it happens because of all the tension that's been built up. I see so, where you're coming from. Yeah. So I disagreed with you, though. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> I, I gave it a 4.75. Wow. All right. It's half my original score. Um, okay. And uh, I, I just thought they were about the best action sequences I've ever seen. I mean, obviously wow. they underwhelmed you a tiny bit. They very whelmed me. I'm whelmed. Um, 
I mean, you know, as far as as far as showing, not showing, you know, things, increasing tension that way, as far as having things set partially in the dark, partially in the light, making it scary, making it exciting. It was it was just perfectly done. Yeah, you know what? I actually I'm gonna change mine too again. <laughs> I'm going to change it to a four. But I'm, so my, I'm going to politics. I think I was judging it a little too harshly. Well, you'll see on the next one. The okay. chase and fight scenes. Yeah, that's the one. Because I think that one... I, I, think, I think I'm giving the action sequences a lower score because of the... You know, the, chase, the, chase, the chases and fights are... You're right. They're kind of more important almost. Right, right. So, I mean, for that one, I gave it three and a half also. Okay. So, I think the action sequences are actually better than the fight sequence. Okay. I see. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I think I was detracting the action sequence too much because of the fights. And, and I think that there's a lot... I mean, so, when I say... I, I thought they were really good, especially for the time. But I think if you were to take the fight scenes and you, ju- you put them in a picture now, yeah. I, I think that it wouldn't be as, I don't know. I, I don't think that we would appreciate it as much. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, not right, but I, I get your point. Yeah. Well, what I'm did you not, do? I'm not changing my scores. I don't change. When I think something, I thank it forever. But I, I gave it another 4.75, same as the action sequences. just thought they were perfect. Um, I, I can see, like, an argument for some of the fights especially toward the end with Ripley yeah yeah being I don't want to say cheesy because they're not but they're like very of the time yeah that was what it was for me that's what that's exactly what did it for me um yeah we wouldn't make them like that today for better or worse yeah and and we'll get to this with the final showdown but I I think that and and this is not in any way uh, against like Sigourney Weaver's ability to do action scenes or anything, but I do think that um, her, when they had those fight scenes with her, they seemed to be, I don't know, just not as. So the filmmaking portion of it is great because there's so much tension, but I mm-hmm. feel like the choreography of the fight scenes, or I don't even know if choreography is the right word, it just felt like, uh, you know, a little lacking. But still good, just a little lacking. I feel you. Um, I thought they were perfect because the reason that I love Ripley is that she's not. She says, "I'm not a soldier" at the beginning, and she's not. She just sort that's, of has to do that's what she a can fair do. Point. Yeah, that's they work perfectly for me in the way that like a, a normal human being with their, this thing. Yeah, it fits and with I, the who the character is, and that's going to go along with uh, villain appeal too later. Because it's not just that she's fighting something. It's it's a lot like in Terminator One. She's fighting an, an implacable force of pure destruction. You know? Right. What right. What can you do aside from try to resist it and then blow it out of an airlock? So So um, so let's do the film coherence then. I'll yeah. let you do the start this one. I gave that one another four point seven five because there's almost nothing I would change. There are a couple of I think uh, you I think you're possibly going to give this a tiny bit of a lower score too, because there are a couple of jarring points where it's like, what was the point of that? And how'd we get exactly to here? But in general, I thought it shifted in and out of its various sequences perfectly. And 
balanced the fight and action stuff with the slower moments perfectly. So many action movies today don't ever add a slow moment for you to relax and then get amped up again. So I thought that was all. So I think I'm going to surprise you on this one. Uh Uh-oh. I gave it a five. I was going to say you either gave it a five or a one with that that statement. So apparently we basically agree on that. Yeah, I don't feel like there's any filler in this at all. I feel Mm -hmm. like everything in there is for a purpose. The only thing that, and I talked about it earlier, was like, you know, there's a couple things, right? The such like nitpicky things like Hicks, how did he know that she had given her the, mm-hmm. the locator? And then the look into my eye comment. But I, I to so me, minor. that's so minor that it shouldn't even be applied. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you there. So to me, I thought it was it was perfect. I I, I felt like it was, from beginning to end, there was no wasted effort. Mm-hmm. So for hero appeal, I gave it four and a half. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, Ripley's the shit. I guess I can't really explain why it's not a five. I just felt like it's not completely perfect. But, yeah. I mean, it's pretty close. It's pretty close to perfect. Um, that's fair. Um, I gave her a five. Because, you know, I think it's, I think she's, I think she's great. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say, right? Or she, no, no qualms whatsoever with Ripley. Yeah. Um. So, villain appeal uh, slash hatred. Mm, I, I've mentioned this category a couple of times already. I know, so. I know, and I'm, so I'm really curious what you have for it. So I'm going to do mine first. Okay, go for it. Because I feel like mine's not going to be. Well, I'm so I'm not going to give a, an explanation. I'm just going to tell you what I did, and then you can okay. do yours and give the explanation. So I gave it a four. Okay. So I'm curious what, what you've got. I gave it a five. I, I thought you it, might. I would give it a six if I could. I uh, I love the alien. Uh, these are aliens. I, know. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> but, With a dollar um, the, the, Yep, this aliens, the, uh, <laughs> the xenomorphs. Um, like this, it might, it might come off as stupid that they're so invincible. And sometimes... During the movie, I was thinking, you know, this acid blood is like just a, possibly a step too far in the, <laughs> in the in the craziness. This is impossible to kill direction. But like the if you're going to make a, a bad guy that's invincible, you just you just can't do a better job. They're terrifying. They're creepy right. as fuck looking. I don't want to look at them every time they're on screen. <laughs> um, and that's like I don't get like scared by visuals in movies but this one is like fucking jesus christ if if they were looking at me the way they look at ripley i'd just die i'd be like all right um, i give up you win you win stab me with your tail thing or whatever you want to do i don't care (laughs) all right so so i'll tell you why for me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so for me i gave it a four not i mean okay they are terrifying Mm -hmm. right but i think there's I don't hate them. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. They're just a they're just a thing, right? That they're an obstacle. Yeah. So they're terrifying, and, and that's in the, they're terrifying and everything. But they're to me, I, I don't think that a thing like that could ever replace the a human in the in the ability to produce the raw of like just hatred for somebody. Yeah. That's that's fair. They're almost like a force. It's right. not like 
Like, you don't hate the hurricane. It's just there. Right, exactly. It is exactly what it is. It's just like, well, okay, this has to be dealt with. And it, and they're terrifying and they suck. But I'm not like, man, no, I fucking God, yeah, I want to get rid of these motherfuckers, you know? <laughs> you see, I do. I keep thinking, like, oh, my God, I just want to destroy every last one of them. At some point, uh, Paul Reiser was like, you know, how are, why, is it up to us to destroy a whole species? And it's like, fucking yes. <laughs> in, this case, in this case, yes, you dickhead. Destroy <laughs> this fucking species. And one of the, I think the human element is like super important. You're absolutely right. It's like, there's no face to them. You know, like, who do I hate here? But for me, the implication, not to be like Glenn Howerton from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, um, <laughs> the, the implication about why the fuck do these things exist is so interesting. It has me thinking the entire movie, like, what is it with these things? Were they were they created? Are they just the perfect species? And the further movies explicate on that. But. Yeah, so I wonder, because I wonder if those movies brought those thoughts to you, or if oh, those thoughts existed before those movies. Probably a lot, a lot, I'm like going based on Prometheus and stuff. Yeah. But I, de I definitely thought about that before those movies came out too, because I think Ash in the first movie calls them like the perfect organism. Right. So I think that that thought was definitely in my mind. And I, de I, de I definitely let my mind wander the first time I saw either of these movies. I was like, damn, what, you know, what's the backstory on these things? Yeah. So the thing that, you know, so the thing that I always was like, you know, how these things, right? Like my, my thing was always, how did they discover spaceflight? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's sort of addressed in Prometheus. Yeah. So I, I guess, I guess maybe that could have played a part in my feeling about them because to me, it's like, well, they're not going to fly a spaceship on their own. Yeah. So, so we're just they... fucking leave. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's enough just of this don't planet. fucking live here. You know? So that's, <laughs> so to me, that was more like the, to me, it was like, I don't need to fight them. I, I yeah. need to escape. Yeah. This is, it's like, you know, you see a, it's the meme with the spiders where you just set them on fire, you know, like try to, Right, right, exactly. Just right. I don't house. need to understand them. Just get me the fuck out of here. Yeah, that's that's like that's a really good point too. Um, God, I was gonna say something and now I can't remember what. So let's just move oh, on. Sorry, here. that's All no, right. not you. I just couldn't remember. <laughs> well, okay. So the supporting characters of P. I'll let you. Yeah. I'll let you start there. I, I gave that a five. I. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is when all the Marines show up for the first time. Just it's so perfect. It's like. Here are the supporting characters. I'm going to show you them in like uh, a second each for each one, and yet you're going to understand perfectly what each character is about. Maybe that maybe that means they're a little too sim simplistic or something. Right. But the, I love the fact that we get like five seconds of Hudson and we know all about him. We get yeah. like five seconds of Vasquez and and the other guy and we know all about them. It's just it's perfect economy in filmmaking. Well, I mean, it, it, I mean, James Cameron is excellent at that. Mm -hmm. But I, I gave it a 4.25. Man, you hate aliens. What is with this? <laughs> why, do you, why do you despise aliens, especially Newt? Was it because of Newt? Yeah, yeah it is Newt. It, it is, is your hatred of children that caused you to hate the supporting characters. Exactly. I, I, first of all, I don't hate them. You know, you I just hate feel, Newt. 
<laughs> I, I just like, felt that Newt and Vasquez and like some of the other one, yeah. specifically <laughs> Newt and Vasquez. I, well, who's the other the guy with the eye thing? You know, Drake or whatever his name Drake, is. Drake, yeah, yeah. And and Apone. Mm-hmm. I just felt like they were adequate, not bad, just yeah. adequate. You know. Okay. okay. Um, but like, just there was a lot of really good supporting. I mean, like. So I think Hudson is a, is great. Mm-hmm. I think Hicks, you know, plays the role that he's supposed to like. I think that that character uh, appeals in the exact way that he's supposed to. So I guess what it was for me is that Newt, as a character, does not. So her purpose as a character is to make you is to give Ripley somebody to uh, care about, right? but also for the audience to like really want to save her. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course I want to save her because she's a kid, but not because of the character. Not because, yeah, it could have been any kid basically. Exactly. And so yeah. that's, uh, that's kind of why I took some points off and Vasquez. Um, I think that she, her character is meant to be like this really, it's like the, the f- feministic strength, but, juxtaposed with like the 80s view of what female strength should be and it just clashes so much with everything that Ripley is I can see that so that's that was the thing for me and I don't think I mean Vasquez was a good character I'm not like I don't want to bash the character that much it's just to me it felt you know I don't know I'm I'm imagining you watching it just like clenching your fist like Arthur the Aardvark going yeah <laughs> but I mean, you know, Gorman is supposed to be annoying and pompous, and that's exactly what he is, and you dislike yeah. him because of it. Burke is a freaking weasel, and he's yeah. he is, and you dislike yeah. him because of it. And honestly, if Burke was, if you said villain, if like if Burke was like the villain throughout the whole thing, sort of like, uh, you know, the first Alien, uh, I can't remember his name, the android. Yeah, Ash. I mean, he's yeah, Ash. He's really the villain. Yeah. You know, like that villain appeal is higher to me because mm-hmm. I fucking I hated that guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. an android, but you know, Burke um, is a little bit more of an afterthought. Exactly, like shitty, exactly, exactly. So yeah, that's where I came from on that. So it's, I mean, it's not like it's low. It's four four yeah. and a quarter is high. I just you know, there's just some things that took me out of it a little bit. All right, so um, final showdown. So this, for the, you know, the the listener here is the... the Hello, <laughs> listener. Uh, our, it's our listener. Hello. <laughs> is, you know... It's like, it's like your mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's, Hi, that's who I'm assuming is... <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Not um, my mom. She won't care. She'll be like, oh, no, <laughs> I'll send it to my mom and she'll be like, yeah. John, two hours? Um <laughs> I didn't want to hear you two talk about aliens for two hours. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> three hours next time. <laughs> so, but this the final showdown is basically the last battle between the hero Ripley and the villain, mm-hmm. the the queen alien, mm-hmm. right? So, um, did I go first on the last one, or you did? I think you. I did, can't right? remember. You you go first on this one because I'm curious. All right. Well, I did three and a half. Oh, I thought it might be low. Not, not that it's low. That's another good score. But. 
<laughs> because you were talking before about how it was a little awkward. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's like, it's iconic, right? Mm-hmm. And when you watch it in 1986, it's a five. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you watch it in 2023, I think mm-hmm. it loses a little bit of its luster because it's kind of clunky and sort of when I'm watching it, I'm like, I don't really believe that she could have beat the alien with how yeah. slow that machine was. That's that's a good point. Um, but, you know, like, if you just want to give it, like, the the ultimate one-line thing, you know, like the after you kill something or before you kill something at the end and you give that one line, yeah. get away from her, you okay. bitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. That's a five. That yep. is that's like a 15. It's amazing. For me, it's like uh, you you think of that line and then build the movie around it almost. All right. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I gave it a five. I, I, you know, it's it's one of the great showdowns in movie history. Like people still make jokes about the loader, you know? So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I can see why you would give it a five. Honestly, like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I just... You know, I'm looking at it. Well, I disagree in the sense that I I think I'm looking at it in in a different lens. That's all. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, with different, uh, a different way to look to look at it. It's it's equally valid. I feel. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, so I think it's sort of funny because I was honestly thought that I would have higher rankings than you did for everything. We talked at the beginning about how you thought that. Shit, that movie with Aaron at Garden yeah. Jones was okay. Come yeah. back, what the fuck was it called? <laughs> no reservations. <laughs> and of course, you have the title. You're like, oh, I have it on my shelf here. I'm gonna put it in later. Yeah, I can watch it. I I do own it. It's okay, but no, I and hold on, I'm gonna do an average for myself over here. I've got a total of forty point seven five. So mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm at forty six point seven five in that case. All right, so we got a total of what, 87 mm-hmm. and a half? Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll see if the next one we rank is going to be higher or lower than 87 and a half. Right um, now, Aliens is the best action movie ever, <laughs> according uh, to us. It ranks one of one, easily. <laughs> it's far and away the best out of itself. And That's right. Do you think we need to add categories? I actually feel like... After doing this, I think this is pretty good with categories. I like the categories. I think that they are diverse, but also not like at a left field or something. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that they, you know, well, uh, listener, if you disagree, <laughs> you know, you can just you can just call us because you have you have John's number, right? So thanks for listening. Check us out next week when we're ranking Cliffhanger, and uh, yeah, goodbye. And adios.